0: Back, Dylan. Thanks for uh, popping back in for episode two of the Cam Clinician. New name.
1: Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me along. And uh, yeah, yeah, it just took a wee while for us to to get to that uh, name, but uh, yeah, we got there. <laughs> always the trickiest. Always the trickiest.
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, what are we talking about this week then?
1: Well, I wanted to elaborate on. We touched on the dichotomy of control in the mm-hmm. last episode, and so I wanted to talk about that a bit more. And I wanted to talk about how to what the dichotomy of control is how to apply it both to yourself both to your normal life but also to clinical work yeah and how you could use it to help and make things easier for yourself when you're working in a hospital or whatever clinical environment you work in
0: yeah cool so what does this help with specifically is it what anxiety stress or So
1: so all of those, I would say, it helps you make decisions um, and it helps you make decisions about what things are worth your time and effort Yep. so that you don't end up spending all your time and effort on things that you are not able to do anything about anyway. Yeah, okay. So it can make you more efficient at work and it will certainly make you feel like you're achieving more if you like. For less one. effort.
0: What, what, being lazy, essentially, but doing more? Essentially, <laughs> essentially.
1: Well, that's actually one of the arguments against it, is that it can oh, yeah. be a bit fatalistic, so we can oh, really? touch okay. on well. So you're going to yeah. give up,
0: yeah. Okay, that sounds good to me, though. More, more with less effort. Mm, definitely. <laughs> so do you want to remind us, we talked a bit about the dichotomy of control last time around. Remind me, what does it mean again?
1: So the dichotomy of control relates to the fact that some things are within our control and some things aren't. So this was an idea perhaps most clearly expressed by Epictetus, who says that some things are within our power while others are not. And he goes on to suggest that within our power are our opinions, our motivation, our desires and our aversions, whilst not within our power, are your body, interestingly, your property, reputation and what office you stand in. Essentially what he's saying is that what is within your power, within your control is how you feel about things. And what is not within your control is everything else, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds like you wouldn't be able to get anything done out of that. But actually, um, if we go into some, I'll talk through some examples of how you can apply things like that. Yeah. yeah yeah, that's cool
0: so yeah you said interestingly body what do you mean that in terms of like
1: you get an injury or something like that rather than controlling your actual actions so I think that that's exactly what that is yes but I wonder if um this comes back to in ancient times I think your health and well-being were probably much less in your oh, control yeah. than they are now Aye. so it was much more likely that you would catch a disease than yeah. than than it is now and whereas now I suppose if you if you become ill, you can actually do something about that. You can go and see a doctor. And I imagine most of the people listening to this will be well versed in dealing with illness. But um, it's interesting that Epictetus picked up on your body was completely out of your control. And I suppose some aspects of it are, but I think we know a lot more now that we're able to refine things.
0: Well, medicine's magic now. Like anything goes wrong, you just get it fixed. You just get get it fixed. (laughs) But we can
1: also now like look after ourselves a lot better. We know the things that we need to do, you know, eating well, exercising, sleep and things like that. So I just find that an interesting thing. And I wonder if that's um, a little bit to do with it was of its time.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Well, do you want to jump into the examples then of um, kind of more normal life you mentioned, I think. Yeah. So like, how do how does it apply?
1: Yeah. So say, say that you want to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So you might set yourself the goal of running a marathon. Yep. Now it's interesting because it comes down to goal setting as well. So if your goal is to run a marathon, you might think, oh, I'll just put in the training and then I'll be able to run the marathon. That's how these things work. But there's lots of aspects to that that are not within your control. Mm-hmm. So, the day before your marathon, you fall over and break your ankle. Mm-hmm. You end up not running the marathon. Yeah. yeah. Um, the weather's really bad. Some sort mm-hmm. of strange respiratory virus appears from one corner of the globe and takes over everything. And then suddenly all marathons are canceled, things like that. So if you've set yourself the goal of, I must run a marathon, Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of motivational speakers will suggest. You need to set these clear goals and you must be able to do this. You could end up disappointed because those things are not within your control. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were to set yourself the goal of, I want to become fitter and i'm going to become the best runner that i can be then when you fall over and break your ankle you've still achieved your goal because with a broken ankle you can't be a very good runner so you've (laughs) achieved the goal of being not a very good runner so (laughs) but what i mean is if you you look at the aspects of that that are actually within your control yeah so you are able to go running three times a week or whatever, mm-hmm. and then try and achieve those things so that you can do the best that you can. So rather than hinging your um outcome or uh, hinging what you want on the outcome, mm-hmm. you need to look at the process and how you would work towards that. And that way you can, I think, reduce a lot of anxiety Yeah. because- whether or not you succeed at running the marathon is yeah. not entirely in your control. Uh-huh. Yeah. But putting in the training to make it more likely that yes. you will complete the marathon yeah. that is within your control. So that's where you should focus your energy yeah. rather than the finish line.
0: Yeah. The, is it the uh, guide to a good life? He uses the example of a tennis match, like being a tennis champion. And it's actually just the reward you get is putting the practice in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I I kind of took that almost to mean it was based on at any given point, if your goal becomes unachievable, as long as you look back and say that you did, you you achieved that ongoing goal. Like, so I don't know, would would it count then if you're training for a marathon and your goal would be, I want to run three times a week. And then if you do break your ankle, you can say, well, I did run three times a week up to now. Does that, is that? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. So if you,
1: if you make your goal, the ability to run 3 times a week is within your control. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if that's your goal, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah. Um, so you're much more likely to be able to achieve goals that are within your yeah. control. Yeah. Uh-huh. and yeah. if you if you had absolutely set your heart on I must run a marathon mm-hmm. and something came up, yeah. then yeah. you are inevitably going to be absolutely disappointed and you'll be heartbroken and you know, you go through all these negative emotions Mm -hmm. around this goal that was never within your control anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's an example. Yeah. Um,
0: I like the, there's uh, an example. It's something that I do quite often with work actually is if I do set a goal, which is kind of like that. And I don't know if this is going away from the point here. So tell me, but if I set a goal that I want to, um, release, uh, um, a course, a video course that I teach somebody something. Um, but actually, I don't know if that's going to be a success. I don't know if anybody's going to buy it. But actually, the benefits of it, you can get sort of side benefits that are within your control. So that it's not in control whether MD buys this course. But actually, there is a benefit in that I get more practice speaking. So I become a better speaker through creating this course. Or I uh, meet other people by interviewing them to create that course. There's like other parts of it that are within my control before that. So I suppose the goal is the marathon, but even if you become, your goal is to become fitter during that training or to run three times a week, there's like ones within your control before that. So is that okay to set those out
1: of control goals, do you think, as long as there are mitigating ones? So it's not, it's not even about setting the goals, I think. So that's exactly, to so what you've said there is, mm-hmm. is spot on, but what I would try and emphasize is that although you've set yourself, you've, so you've created a product yeah. um, with, then you want it to sell, yeah. but the key thing is that you're not upset when it doesn't sell. Yeah. Yeah. So the key thing for you, the, the goal has to be creating the product as yeah. a goal, because that's right. the thing that's within your control. Right. It's not within your control if yeah. anybody buys it or if it yeah. goes viral yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Those are things. So, but... If you put all your efforts into creating the product yeah. and making it as best you can, yeah. it's more likely to sell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like and and if you put in all the training to run the marathon, you're yeah. more likely to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you put all your training into becoming a good tennis player, as Willie yeah. Mervin talks about, yeah. you're more likely to win the tennis match. Yeah. But if your yeah. goal is to win the tennis match or your goal is to yeah. make loads of money with that one product, yeah. You might well end up disappointed those are the bits out of your control yeah, yeah they're yeah, out I, of your control yeah. so don't hinge by all means make the product or mm. train for the tennis match mm-hmm. but the goal has to be doing that bit rather yeah. than yeah. and the more you put into it the more likely it is to succeed but it's not guaranteed yeah
0: yeah was that saying um, the hard, I work? The luckier I get. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So things that are so much the, more. The goal yeah. is the hard work, yeah. and then suddenly, actually, the lucky thing the the those achievable those out of your control goals that might take a bit more luck. They just happen. They just happen. They just happen, happen. happen, they to just happen because. Goals that lead to them
1: because you've set up the dominoes that it will probably. It's more likely that those things are going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. cool. Were there any other examples there that you wanted to go through?
1: Well, I wonder, I, I do a bit of climbing and uh-huh. um, if anybody's out there seen the film Free Solo oh, yeah. with Alex so Honnold. So yeah. that guy's crazy. Where he climbs bonkers. El Capitan. It seems absolutely <laughs> bonkers, doesn't it? But... No ropes. If wow. you If you look at what he did in preparation for that and he obviously doesn't Uh, sort of phrase it in this way, but he's definitely talking about looking at things that are in his control and things Mm -hmm. that aren't. So he initially, so he, Free Solo was a film about him free soloing El Capitan. Yep. But he had previously free soloed Half Dome. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in his preparations for El Capitan, he thought back to that. So when he free soloed Half Dome, he had practiced a route, but there was an alternative to the route. And he was going really well. And he decided on the day that he was free soloing it, he decided he was going to try the alternative route. So he suddenly found himself a bit lost on this face. Sure. Having to make a couple of moves that he hadn't made before and wasn't sure he could make. Uh And where the consequences were obviously death. So he decided that gave him difficulties, obviously, and they're difficulties that I could never have overcome. But what was really interesting was that he reflected on that. And then for his ascent of El Capitan, he practiced every move until he was confident of being able to do them, mm-hmm. made sure that he stuck to the route, mm-hmm. stuck to the plan. Yeah. So those are the things again, where he has learned what is within his control. So what is within yeah. his control? So if you remember... You know the crux scene with the boulder problem. He practiced that <laughs> over and over again until yeah. he was utterly confident yeah. that he could do it. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that he was absolutely in control of everything on the day, mm-hmm. but the things that he could be in control of—how yeah. good he was at doing that particular yeah. problem—he yeah. had practiced. He could have that more. That was that he was control of. It was yeah. Yeah, he exactly. Have prepared more. He couldn't <laughs> have prepared more, and he only went for it if you watch free solo, he has a couple of aborted attempts yeah. and he only went for it when he was totally confident that he'd done enough practice. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's, you know, on a very different scale, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The scale of a consequences. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. you can apply that kind of thinking to even things like, say you're the the manager of a big football team mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, the things that you're in control of. Mm-hmm. So you're in control of the training schedules for your mm-hmm. players or, and what players you buy at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. And none of those things will guarantee that you win the season and that you win the league Mm -hmm. because sport is just full of stories of, you know, David slaying Goliath and small teams coming up and winning. But the more those things are rare, Mm -hmm. but they do happen. So if you are one of the really big football teams and you spent loads of money It's still not guaranteed that you're going to win the league, but it's more likely in the long (laughs) run. You've got a better chance by (laughs) organizing the things that are within your control Mm -hmm. and not worrying about the things that are out with your control and focusing on those. Yeah.
0: And then it comes to, I suppose, the end of the season. You've done all that. You haven't won. They can still take satisfaction. In the fact that they did all they could. They did all they could. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. So you don't
1: don't have to set your goal as you must win and you must be the best. You have to set your goal as I will do the best I can. Yeah, Yeah. And then you're always and
0: is that always the lessons you talk about alex learning from alex honnell learning from that like the lessons are oh there was we didn't win even with all these things i did but actually there was these this one thing that i maybe could have controlled that i didn't actually do anything about and that's what you improve the next time you improve that the next time, yeah exactly
1: so that's how he talks about solving el capitan yeah and this kind of This kind of thinking, it ties into mindfulness is very popular at the moment. Um, And a lot of people are talking around mindfulness and it ties into that because if you think mindfulness is about being present in the present, so looking at things that are in the present and the things that happen to you right now, not worrying about things that happened in the past or that might or might not happen in the future. Mm -hmm. We've all spent huge amounts of times worrying about something that never happened. Yeah. But that's because the past and the present are not in your control. Yeah. And the only, sorry, the past and the future are not in your control and only the present is in your control. Mm -hmm. So if you focus your attention on the present, not worry about all the things that you can't control, Mm -hmm. that's mindfulness. That's the dichotomy of control and action.
0: And that's the whole idea of meditation, mindfulness, sitting down, taking a moment. Yeah. And that that reduces your stress, your anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And I
1: I always feel these things all just really tie together.
0: Yeah. Do you find it has, I know you've done a lot of that in the last few years. Have you found that that helps? Can you, can you apply that in the moment?
1: Uh, yes, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, Now, yeah. sometimes I still will get caught up in things, yeah. but a lot of the time, and I found particularly at work, mm-hmm. I can be very good at, not very good, but uh, I can absolutely apply just being there looking at the thing that i'm looking at and dealing with the thing that i'm dealing with at the time yeah not be hung up, really.
0: and does it make you more can you do you feel like you can spot it more when you're just sitting dwelling on something that might happen and
1: definitely <laughs> yep yeah, definitely yeah. and i can um i've become a lot better at yeah at noticing that i'm dwelling or noticing that i'm worrying or yeah. being anxious and yeah. then applying yeah control or not control yeah um but it's a skill that you've got to practice like absolutely everything else but it's it's very real yeah
0: yeah yeah. what do you need to i mean it's probably worth just a little bit on that like if people want to try and put that into practice based on that because it helps so much with this like what how do they start with that what's the easiest way
1: so i found meditation to be the easiest way so meditation i found was really good for Harnessing my mind so that all the conversations that I was having in my mind that weren't real, I was having you know discussions with people um, and arguments with people that (laughs) had never taken place (laughs) and never would take place, but I still had them going round and round in my head. (laughs) Yeah, and but meditation gives you the key to it's almost like you can just sit there and watch your mind, it's like it's like Mm -hmm. watching a film Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then. And then you realize that you are not in the film Mm -hmm. so that you can then with meditation allows you to see all these thoughts going on, but not get caught up in them. So that comes down to mindfulness. And then when you are faced with a problem, Mm -hmm. applying that mindfulness Mm -hmm. to say, right, this is what the problem is. And then you can then. You use the dichotomy of control really easily yeah. because you've been able to take that step back from yeah.
0: it. yeah it gives you that space to to take a look at it to take a look at of stuff. external view almost yeah. yeah so
1: definitely the start of my journey to um understanding my mind and how i thought was definitely meditation that's cool um, and there's does, lots of apps out there for that yeah yeah plenty
0: does does um well i mean one thing that i find helps a bit with that as well like the figuring out or thinking through what's in control, out of control is is journaling as well. I know you do a bit of that, don't you?
1: Yeah. So journaling very much so because yeah. in order to you, your mind is just racing away with yeah. constantly different <laughs> thoughts, two or three thoughts on the go at the same time, yeah, yeah. all conflicting with each other. Yeah, yeah. But when you write and the way that we've all been taught to write is that we actually need to make it a bit structured. So you, People talk about writing down their thoughts, but they rarely are because they usually have to put their thoughts into some sort of structured order before (laughs) they write them down. Otherwise it's just a crazy jumble of words. And the act of doing that, Mm. of rationalizing what you're writing, really helps clarify things. Really? Yeah. Another one of those things
0: helps you step back, think it through relatively rationally.
1: Yeah. What do I actually want to write here? And then write the things. Yeah. irrelevant. Apply the dichotomy
0: of control to those problems. Those conv- <laughs> I've had that so many times. Like, you know, Somebody pushes in front of you in the queue and you end up having this imaginary conversation where you have a fight with them and tell them how
1: annoying they were. Yeah, and
0: it never actually happens. Never but it happens. Could, it's like yeah. 20 minutes in your head just going round and round. I know round. <laughs> and then you
1: can come back to it years <laughs> later. remember that time somebody pushed in front of you in the queue <laughs> as if that person cares. Yeah. But it's only important to you. So yeah. Yeah, that's totally. part of that is absolutely the dichotomy of control yeah. of what does it matter it's yeah, only yeah. it's only your emotions that yeah. you're in control of yeah. so you've chosen to get angry with that person and years later you're still angry with that yeah. unknown person yeah, totally <laughs> whereas if you just choose not to be angry about it it's yeah. forgotten because
0: it's out of your control what's in your control is how, rea- how you react how to you it and don't, react don't let to it. them affect you yeah, i guess
1: just cuz somebody's pushed in front of you yeah, yeah. You just don't go it's exactly fine. yeah
0: is is there anything else you want to go into around how this applies to specifically to the clinical environment or is that
1: yeah so i thought yeah. of a, a few examples so yep. um i was thinking about trying to achieve a qi project at work so say you were trying to do some quality improvement thing and you you work in the hospital and i'm sure lots of people listening to this will have had a good idea about a qi project yeah, yeah. and they go to their line manager and maybe they do some work on it and then eventually it gets rejected and you think oh well i not not effing bother doing that again, you know, and then you end up a bit bitter. Yeah. And that's totally understandable. And I've absolutely been there as well. And, but again, if you come back to, you know, sometimes with the dichotomy of control, it can seem like you're a bit fatalistic. So if you think about the person pushing in front of you in the line, and you not getting angry about it, yeah. that could imply that you allow people to walk all over you mm-hmm. um, and that you are not able to stand up for yourself, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you could take that, you could also take that as I work in the hospital and say it's completely, the ward I work in is understaffed, but there's nothing I can do about that. And so just not bother. Mm-hmm. So you could be lazy. Yeah. But. That's not really what the dichotomy of control is about. What the dichotomy of control is, is that you you have noticed that the ward is understaffed. Sure. So you could put together a proposal mm-hmm. to make better staffing or to do something better. Mm-hmm. And you put all your effort into that to make that as good a proposal as you can. Mm-hmm. However, what is not in your control is whether or not the hospital then adopts that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you just focus on your QI project, do the best you can for you, mm-hmm. and then you will know that you have done the best that you can, yeah, yeah. then that will only be associated, well, should only be associated with positive things. But if your entire well being is hinged on the fact that the hospital must adopt the framework that you have laid yeah, out. Yeah then that's things that are out with your control and you've set yourself up for failure. And equally, if you decide, well, it's out with my control that the the ward is understaffed, I'm not going to bother doing anything about it. I think that you would end up just resentful of the fact that the ward was understaffed and it would continue to, you know, annoy you all the time. So you would end up in a position of... If you did nothing, you would end up annoyed and anxious and it would feel really negative. (laughs) And if you threw all your efforts into something, but it was rejected, you would end up annoyed. Mm -hmm. So the key is that it's worth you personally for your sanity Mm -hmm. (laughs) pushing ahead with the project that you want, the thing that you want to make better, but don't hinge that on all your wellbeing being being on that it's accepted.
0: Yeah, again, it's coming back to... The parts that you can control not only are those the things you should focus on, but they're the things that, for your own well-being, you should yeah. focus on. <laughs> yeah, because then you feel like you've You're, done something. You've done everything. You you've can. done everything yeah. you can. You've done everything you can control, better. and if you take satisfaction in having done that, and that's what you hinge your happiness on. Yeah, and exactly. that's where it comes from. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and a, on a sort of, I was going to talk about a little like a clinical skills thing. So yep. my. Current job with the ambulance service means that I often go to very severe traumas and um, pre hospital incidents that cause a lot of, of problems. Um, and I've struggled in the past with very difficult scenes and having to do difficult things. So if you're dealing with traumatic cardiac arrest, you know, there's protocols for that, but the, the things you have to do. Um, in those scenarios, cutting into chests and things. It was very, very difficult. Yeah. And I think when I first moved into this job, I had a lot of anxieties about being faced with these scenes. Mm-hmm. What would I do if, what would I do if yeah. this, what if that? And I've definitely found the way to overcome that is to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do, I did a, a surgical airway a few months ago and this was something that i think every clinician who works pre-hospitally dreads is this really difficult airway and dreads having to make the decision to do this yeah. and i but it was something that i had practiced a lot mm-hmm. on mannequins and the moment came when i had to do it and i did it successfully yeah. and I really learned from that the power of being prepared. So most clinicians will never, ever have to do that. So you could say that it's not worth practicing. Yeah. So, but then you will always then have this anxiety about. Yeah. What if this thing happens? And the way to conquer that, absolutely the way to conquer that, is to look at what is in your control and what isn't. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. is it in your control that you will be faced with having to do your surgical airway one day? Yeah. No, because if you work as a pre-hospital clinician, or even if you work in A&E or ITU or anaesthetics, you may have to be presented with this one day. And it's not in your control whether that happens or not. Yeah, yeah but your ability to cope with that is absolutely within your control. Yeah. So if you put your head in the sand and decide, I'm not going to learn the skills for this because I don't think it's worth it. I imagine that you, and I know that I would mm-hmm. have annoying anxiety about the fact that, Oh yeah. my God, what if this thing happens yeah. and I'm not ready?
0: And I suppose the opposite way around as well. And that if it, you don't have control over how well that goes. You can do the best you can and the person might still have a bad consequence from it. But uh, if you've prepared, if you've, if you've covered everything you can control, presumably, I mean, I can't even imagine dealing with something like that, but presumably that helps you deal with a bad outcome afterwards. Definitely. As opposed to definitely, if you don't think you've done everything you could have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So dealing with the outcome afterwards is I did everything I could that was within my power. Yeah. And I'm, I think that it would be much harder if you were faced with a scenario that you are trained to cope with, but you didn't have the skills because yeah. you hadn't practiced them or you weren't confident to yeah. use them. Yeah. Um, and then a bad outcome. Yeah. Just as you say, would be a lot more difficult to deal with. And, yeah. um, and I guess, you know, to come back to Alex Honold on free solo, that's what he did. He was, you know, he'd identified problematic things and yeah. instead of going oh, hopefully it'll be okay. He drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled, yeah. drilled and drilled until he knew that it would be okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the same thing. With, and you can apply that to everything throughout working in the hospital. So yeah. even when I was a junior nurse, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now, but I was, you know, worried about giving an intramuscular injection because mm-hmm. I'd, you know, never done one. And, you know, this was when I, mean, I was a student. Yeah. I, oh my goodness, what, what will I do? And, I, yeah. you know, I... I <laughs> it's such a tiny thing now, but if you've prepared and you're ready to do these things and you understand what you're doing, it's so much easier yeah, yeah. and you can apply that through to every job, I guess yeah. that there will be things in your life that you hope you will never face, <laughs> but the only way to deal with the annoying anxiety of whether or not you will face them yeah. is to be ready to face yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think a lot of clinicians would benefit from trying or being aware of, I don't know how to do that thing. So I'm going to learn before it becomes an issue. And then maybe it never ever becomes an issue and you're no longer scared of what might happen in the future (laughs) or failures in the past, but actually just learning how to do something in the present. Yeah.
0: There's a, there's a big set of self-awareness and, uh, kind of confidence component there, I suppose, as well. And like admitting to the parts that you haven't necessarily controlled as much as you
1: could. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so that, I mean, all clinicians are trained in reflective practice. So how to analyze things that have gone wrong in the past or well, Mm -hmm. and how to change things for the future and how you would modify your behavior, your actions. And I think that Using the dichotomy of control is an essential part of that. Yeah. So recognizing yeah. things that are within your control. It's not within your control that somebody has a, a a car accident. Yeah. So you um you being tasked to it and going to this you know scene of some horrific RTC. What happened before you got there is not your fault. Yeah. And not yeah. within your control. And I think most clinicians accept that readily and nobody, you know, they don't think, oh, well, if only I had done this thing, if only I had campaigned for road safety two years <laughs> ago, then, but clinicians probably don't think like that. Yeah. But what they do think about is holding themselves responsible later. And the yeah. best way to prevent that kind of anxiety is by being ready and knowing that you've done the best you yeah, can. That's yeah. what's within your control. Yep. Not the rest of what happened. Excellent. That all makes a lot of sense.
0: Any final thoughts to uh, leave people with? Or I think we've covered a lot there.
1: Yeah, I think we did cover a lot there. Sorry if it was a bit deep uh, as usual. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I just, for me personally, trying to apply the dichotomy of control to having to make decisions and... Projects that I've worked on and things that I've done at work. And that has made a massive difference to how I feel about the way things have gone or not gone. Yeah. And I think it, uh, hopefully it'll help a lot of other people too. Perfect.
0: Okay. Thanks very much for joining me again. Oh, thanks. And thanks, uh, listener, for um, listening along. I hope you've got something from that. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. We'll cover another element of being a CAM clinician. Talk to you then.
1: Thanks very much.